Well, we are on this series through the book of Luke, and if you have your Bibles or your app, you want to turn to Luke chapter 15. I love this section because in many ways, this is where we get one of the three things that we focus on as a church. We say this, we're helping people get ready to meet Jesus face to face by doing three things, reaching the lost, caring for the least, and training the found. And here we are, Jesus shows us how much he cares for lost people. And he gives us three parables. Parable is a story, not an actual account, but it's a story that helps make a spiritual point. And so we're going to be going through the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son or the prodigal son. The interesting thing is um, what Jesus says in this, though, is pretty amazing. I've often thought, like, why does he have to repeat himself, like, three parables back-to-back on lost things, right? And when you begin to really look at it, and that's what we're going to discover today, every story is slightly different and has another meaning to it that creates the whole picture that he wants to uh, create for us. So here we're going to go on on this. So first of all, um, do we have a role in thinking about or pursuing lost people? Do we have that role? And then the other part of this is um, Jesus is speaking to us, his heart, in these three parables that we're going to dive into right now. Here we go. First, chapter 15. Now the tax collector and the sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So that is the framework of which Jesus tells the parables. Is that he's with religious people, scribes and Pharisees, who would say they're the keepers of the law, right? They're trying to live righteously, and they're criticizing Jesus for going and hanging out with sinners. First and foremost, I am so glad that Jesus modeled that for us, to hang out with sinners. But this is what he says. Now he tells them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. So Jesus' first parable about the lost, the lost sheep, and I think the the important part that you need to see in this is um, there's there's two characters, if you will, or two um, illustrations in this. One, there's a shepherd, and then there's a sheep. There's one sheep, and then there's 99 sheep. And the, the emphasis gets put on the one. And you need to understand that, that Jesus sees everyone. And I think sometimes we, we realize or we, we think that, like, God doesn't care. He doesn't see us. And really, the, the story, the shepherd, really reveals the heart of Jesus, which is the great shepherd, the good shepherd, and he is willing to go leave the 99. Some people would say, like, why would he leave the 99? Or like, is that a threat? That really wasn't the point of it. He knew that the 99 were going to be safe, but he was concerned about the one. 
He was concerned about the one. Let me just go through all three parables, and then I'm going to start making some illustrations to, uh, to why Jesus uses these three. Then he says this, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. So I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Okay, so we know what we're talking about here. Jesus is making these stories to have people who don't know him. He calls them sinners, right? We're, by the way, we're all sinners saved by grace. Right? And, and so when he's talking about sinners, he's talking about people who do not know Jesus, who do not know their Father in heaven. And so he's saying, it is like a woman who has 10 coins, loses one, and lights a lamp. And that lamp is pretty important that Jesus says this lights a lamp and seeks diligently until she finds it. So, who's this woman in the story? And who's the silver coin and what does the lamp represent? We're going to get into that in a moment. But I think the important part of that is you and I are like that silver coin. We're perceived to have, and it is true, that we have great value. I don't know if you've ever felt in your life at certain times that you felt less than. You wondered of how much value do I really have. But, but Jesus, in telling this story, is saying every person has incredible value, even the ones who are in the darkest of places doing the nastiest of things. That person has great value. Well, then here we go on. He tells another parable. Remember, he's still hanging out with scribes and Pharisees who are criticizing Jesus for hanging out with sinners. And then he's telling these parables. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of, uh, of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And, he, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And then he had spent everything. A severe famine arose in the country and he began um, to be in need. And he went, to the, uh, he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods and the pigs, uh, that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I'll arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. This is an important part in this story that Jesus is saying. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
I'll just end in this little part here. And the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The prodigal son. We've heard about the prodigal son. The interesting thing about this account that Jesus has, again, it's a made-up story, but he's making a point. There's a father and two sons. One son said, hey, I want to get my inheritance, and he went and lived wildly, prostitutes, and uh, just really selfish living, and then he lost it all. The interesting thing about that is, is the understanding that God gives each person free will. You can choose God or not choose God. You can, change, you can actually take all the blessings that God has, and God has given you gifts, by the way, every single person. And I know you're sitting in church here today, but maybe some of you are coming because you're, this is your Mother's Day gift to your mom. And so I'm not assuming that everybody here is a follower of Jesus. But, but here's this son who squanders it away, and then he comes to his senses, and he comes back to the father, and the father could have easily said, what a waste. You wasted my money. You wasted your life. He could have easily tried to disown him. Like, it's like, you, you chose to walk away from the family. And yet, the very thing the father does is runs, which back in that culture, by the way, they were, the guys were typically in robes. And if you were of any character and uh, respect, you would have a slow walk as a man in your robe. But no, the father hiked up his robe and he booked it to his son, threw his arms around him, and then threw a party. What you don't see, what I didn't read in that story, and I'm not going to go on there, is there's another whole great fascinating thing about the other son who gets a little bitter. That he's been the good son, and how is his father like lavishing all this love on this lost prodigal son? And that's actually another whole message but in many ways, all of these stories, Jesus is trying to make a point and says, hey, you know what, you righteous people, you, I know you, you've been trying to live the right way, but Jesus' heart was always for people who are far from God because they realized when they're living apart from God, they're not in God's family, and God's protection and love and care is not there for them. And his heart is he's always going after those people who are sinners or those who don't know God and saying, hey, I want you to know that you're valuable, that you're loved, that I, will, I am pursuing you like the one sheep. I am, I am lighting a lamp and like searching diligently for that. You're so valuable like that lost coin. And by the way, when you choose to like squander your life and I've given you a free will and what a gift God has given us in free will. You know why free will is so important is because if we didn't, would it be true love? It wouldn't be true love because we are either programmed to, you know, robotically, I love you, God, you are amazing. And he would not feel great love, right? If, you're, if we programmed our kids, our kids were like little mini, mini me's, and then, pro Dad, you are amazing. I just love you so much. 
And, and I'd be like, that doesn't really feel like love because I just programmed him to, to say those things. But when, when my child genuinely comes up here and dad, I really appreciate you. I appreciate the way you care for me and love me. I mean, my heart just swells, right? And, but that's free will. Our kids can either accept or reject our parenting in the same way with God. We can either accept God or reject God. And, and that's the gift that he's given us. But, but what Jesus is saying is his heart is that none should perish. See, it's not only just saying, hey, we, we need a ticket to go to heaven. It's actually saying that, that I love this person so much. Today, here, and now, they are um, valuable sons and daughters of God. So valuable to him. So valuable. So, you might just think these are three stories about God's care for lost people. But let me just tell you something a little bit um, fascinating about this. This first parable about the shepherd really talks about Jesus as our good shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd. He cares about um, people being added to his family. And we know it's only through Jesus Christ that we can have a relationship with God. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can be added to this spiritual family that God has for us. But really, the parable of the lost sheep really talks about our condition as humanity. It's our condition because as sheep, if you know sheep, Maybe we don't know sheep well, but let me tell you about sheep. Sheep have a tendency to uh, wander, and they have a tendency to get distracted, and they have a tendency to get themselves in trouble. (laughs) And I think that's a lot like us. We can so easily get distracted in life. We can so easily get, get away from the safe places, and we can get ourselves in trouble, and we can lose. I mean, sheep will kind of like... And, the, and their flock's over here, and they're back, and he runs the other direction. It's like, sheepy, sheepy, where are you going? Go back that way. But no, sheep, they just kind of get lost. And, and yet, that's our condition. That's our condition. And Jesus, who is our good shepherd, will pursue us. Are you glad that Jesus pursues us when we get off course? <laughs> He's so good that way, that when we get off track, we start getting a little bit lost. And that's for us, but I would say people who never even know um, God or know of Jesus, he's still pursuing them. He's still pursuing them. So the sheep, our condition. And then the coin really has to talk about our opportunity to respond to the truth. The lamp in in that parable, I talked about how that's going to be really important I believe that, so the good shepherd Jesus, the next parable, I believe he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the lamp, and and the truth, that when when we have that opportunity to have the truth, the light of Christ show up in our life, right? We have that opportunity, that opportunity to be found. Now, I love that he always takes the initiative here. He says the woman who who um, lost the one coin and diligently uh, sought it with her lamp, but diligently. Know this, that I believe the Spirit of God is diligently searching for people who do not know him. Or if you are in a condition where you feel like I'm a little bit lost right now, 
or I don't feel valued right now. And he uses that coin, Jesus does in that parable, to show your great value and that woman who is looking for you, the Holy Spirit who is searching you and, and allowing the Holy Spirit um, to proclaim the light, right? The light is the truth and the word of God to illuminate the darkness, to allow yourself to be found. So it is our opportunity to respond to the truth. And then that last one um, is, is the prodigal son is our heart condition in response. And that is a heart condition of repentance. I think it's so interesting that Jesus segmented this, our condition to wander away, the opportunity for light and truth to speak to us, and then what are we going to do with that truth? What are we going to do with that light? We're going to have the opportunity to take the Father's goods and squander them away, or come to a place of repentance and realize, and this is what the, the son said, realize that So he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And we don't have to say we're not worthy to be called your son, but we have to come to this place of, of repentance and realize our way was a selfish way. Our way was a way that we were trying to live on our own apart from you, God. And it just actually brought hurt in my life and brought pain in other people's lives. And that's what happens when we start living apart from God. Then, then our selfishness takes over, and that's what leads us to sin. Our selfishness leads us to sin. And then when we sin, sin separates us from God, but really sin is, is the thing that actually hurts us and hurts others. And so this, this opportunity to respond with repentance. So here Jesus is saying, I care about lost people. Here's the human condition. He's faithful to bring us the truth and the word, and then he gives us an opportunity to respond with a free will. See, I love this. God never forces or courses us to know him. He always gives us a free will. He says, you can choose me or not choose me. But when we come to our senses, and like I did in my 20s, I came to my senses like, you know what? It's not going so well for me trying to live on my own apart from him. But I think the other part of this whole, these three parables and especially this last one, but each one comes with the end of saying there's a big celebration. I, I've never been a huge celebration guy. I don't know. I, I, I didn't always like the attention on myself. I didn't really like birthday parties. I didn't, celebrations for me were, I don't know, sometimes it felt awkward. And so I just didn't know how to celebrate really well. But as I've gotten older and as I've hung out with Pastor Richie. Richie loves to celebrate, by the way. <laughs> He's helped me to understand the value of celebration. But I've come to, to look at these parables that every single time they say there's like a big party going on when, when one of these comes to the Lord. When, when the one sheep is found, when the one coin is found, there's a big party I started thinking about this a little bit. You know, in two and a half years, our building will be paid for. Yeah. 
And, and that will free up like $100,000 a year. I mean, right now, our council is really good. We're in good stewardship, and we're, we're funding things the way we should be. And, you know, we're making budget. And I, can I just tell you, you guys are so faithful. Like, we don't even take an offering. And yet, we are making budget because of your faithfulness to God. Your faithfulness to God. And for those of you who have never started your journey of giving towards God, I want to encourage you. You can't outgive God, but it's a blessing. God doesn't need your money. He, he, wants, um, he wants you to trust him in your life in those areas. But So I started thinking about, as I was reading this, like, wouldn't it be really cool if every single time that somebody came to Christ, we just like put on a big party? It's going to take some money, right? We'll have to get some, like a lot of food and, um, you know, plates, silver. I'm just going through all my mind and like all that stuff. But it's like, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? Well, like what would that do for the person who gave their life to Jesus? That they would really begin to feel celebrated because really that is the very most important decision they would ever make in their entire life. And I appreciate we raise your hands and, and like I made a commitment to Christ, but you know, when Jesus prayed to the Father, he says, um, he says on earth in, in the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if he says in heaven, there are these parties that are going on when one gives their life to Jesus, and I was just thinking, maybe, just maybe, we, we can start celebrating people when they give uh, their life to Christ a little bit more. I'm putting myself out there, like I'm not casting vision for this, but I'm just like, I'm wrestling through this, like, what would that mean? What would that take? We'd be having a lot of parties. I hope we would have a lot of parties. And that brings me to my last point, because what is our role in this? Because it seems like God the Father... Which, by the way, the father is that last part in that prodigal son. That, that represents the father's heart for people, right? The embrace. Let me put a ring on his finger. Like, that's identity. That's, that's uh, kingship. That's you're a part of my family. Put the, big ro- put, those, put the best robe on him. On Let's do a fatted calf and have a big party. That's the father's heart for you. We're the shepherd uh, the good shepherd Jesus goes after and, and pursues you and then the Holy Spirit convicts you and shines light on the areas of your life. But what's our part? But what's our part? I just want to read a few scriptures and, and I'll close with these scriptures. In Mark chapter 16, when Jesus, before he left this earth, the great commission... He tells us to go into all the world and proclaim or preach the gospel or tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ to the whole creation. Whoever believes is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. By the way, that's not God condemning you. It's just the natural thing of just saying, if your spirit is alive, then you'll be saved. If your spirit has never been brought alive, then, then when you pass away, there, there is that level of condemnation there. Scripture number one, he's telling us, go share the good news of Jesus Christ. So what is our part? The good news is, hey, we once were dead in Christ. Jesus went to the cross for us to take care of all of our sin. And his resurrection showed that he was the son of God. And, and, and so whoever believes in him might have eternal life. So, 
we also need to realize that there's repentance there. Repentance is saying, God, I'm sorry for trying to live it on my own way. And, and I'm, I want to live for you and live your direction. Not perfect, but continue to pursue you. And then in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 22 says this. This is the, the Apostle Paul speaking. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Win, in other words, that he might go after those who don't know Jesus, go after the lost, and have them come into that family. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order I may win Jews. Uh, to those under the law, like the Pharisees, I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law, I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, the Gentiles, I became one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. This, this heart, that's the heart that Jesus wants to put in, inside of us. We, you've heard the expression that we're his hands and feet, we're Jesus's hands and feet, right? Because Jesus isn't physically here, his spirit's here, but now his spirit resides in those who've, who've given their life to Jesus. His Holy Spirit resides in us. And so we, how do people know about Jesus unless somebody tells them, right? How are the lost found? Is if we pursue them, like the woman pursued the lost coin diligently. How many, how are people going to be found if unless we can leave the flock, our church building, our gathering, the Christians, and go find people who don't know Christ? And by the way, never, never course somebody. Just always offer them the hope and the gift and the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ and the forgiveness and let people make a choice. Make, let them make their own decision. And then lastly, Proverbs 30 says this. Sorry, Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. That's really what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a life and death pursuit because with Christ is everlasting life without Jesus it's everlasting death but it's more than that and you can see it by those parables it is God's heart to to invite people into this relationship this this fathering relationship and yeah I do think it's interesting Jeremy that you mention um, women that Jesus used a woman, um, and in many times the Holy Spirit, um, people have mentioned that there is more of that feminine side of the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus used that woman in that parable to, um, to show that there's that pursuit of, of that lost coin and that the people are so valuable. So would you consider with me this morning on this Mother's Day, that not only does 
God really, really love you. That if you've never made the decision to follow him or to be in a relationship with him, know that he's pursuing you and that you're valued and that when you make a decision to, um, to receive Jesus into your life, there is a celebration in heaven and I wish we could just pull down the banquet table right here and all the food would come on here. We'll just, we'll chow out and celebrate you. I don't know why the image came to my mind and why did I speak that out loud? I'm not so sure, but <laughs> see, I must be getting sloppy. I'm getting ready to go on sabbatical here. So And then the second people I'm talking to are those who've been found. Many of in this room have already made a decision to follow Jesus and, and yet we are the hands and feet of Jesus and he wants us to pursue. He wants us to share. He wants us to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's not so you can say, look at me, what I've done, but it's saying, like, look at how good Jesus is and what he wants to do in each of our lives. And you're inviting actually somebody into a family, a spiritual family, which is really powerful. And it's really beautiful, and it's really the intention of what God has had for his, his creation, for humanity. Well, the parables of the lost... Jesus had his heart to really challenge whenever we get religious thinking, whenever we get insular thinking, that God really cares about people who are far from him. He cares about people who are hurting, who are in the midst of their own sinful ways. And he loves them and he wants to pursue them and go after them. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, Invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.